Hi, welcome to Making Sense of Movies. I'm Elena. I'm Claire. And welcome to the podcast. Today's episode, we are going to be discussing movies that fucked you up. And Claire, what does that mean? Okay, well, it's movies that I guess just stick with you and are just so goddamn weird. You're like, oh my god, remember when that happened? Like, that was crazy. That was just freaking crazy. Yeah, movies that when you leave the theater, you can't stop thinking about them. Yeah. And truly mess with your mind. Yeah. So it's a bit of a niche field, but mm-hmm. we found five really good films. And, and we're real because when we first made a list of what we wanted to talk about, like this is one of the categories we were really excited about. Oh yeah, and we feel like we're at the point with our audience where we can talk about this. Yep, after six episodes, we're so, oh, we're ready. We're ready. So we're gonna go from least fucked up to most fucked up, mm-hmm. and where are we gonna start? Oh, we're gonna start with Ex Machina. Um, and it's all about AI. This, the main character, Caleb, is going to, um, played by Don Hill Gleason, uh, goes to this eerie house in the middle of the woods because he got invited, won a lottery, to do a project about AI um, with Nathan, who's the main character, play, or one of the main characters by uh, Oscar Isaac. Um, how do you feel about this movie? I really like this movie. Mm-hmm. I think this was also one of the first times I had been introduced to all of these actors. So other mm-hmm. people in this movie is Alicia Vikander. She plays the AI. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't really heard of like Oscar Isaac or Dom Hill Gleason, I think, before this. One thing I really enjoyed about this movie is that th- like the director or the writer, they're not explaining anything to, to the audience. Mm-hmm. They start out, like the first scene is our main character. We don't know his name. We, all we know is that he's won something. You don't know why he's won something. You don't know what exactly it is. You don't know where he's going. And I found that so fresh and interesting to watch because as an audience member, you have to figure it out. And they give you clues and you start to figure it out more as the movie goes on. Mm -hmm. But it was a really fun watch. Yeah, and no, that's very good because it's sort of like you're in his position where it's like the whole time, like Caleb's also trying to figure out like, what the hell am I doing here? What's this whole facade? What's going on? Yeah. And he's, like, the main perspective taking you through this whole uh, journey. And I think Don Hill Gleason was a really good choice because you always want to feel sorry for him. Like, he's just got that <laughs> face. Like, I just feel like he's got that face where you always want to feel sorry for him. And Oscar Isaac, I think. He was just, incredible. He does such a good, he just transforms um, in this movie. Yeah. Because um, he seems like such a lovable guy in real life. And in this, he's just, like. Uh, kind of an abusive drunkard. Yeah, so in the movie, Oscar Isaac basically plays the head, basically Don Hugleason's boss. He, like, basically created this whole search engine, and he now, I guess, is bored by that and has decided to create um, artificial intelligence, and he's made them all women, mm-hmm. um, which is a great play on gender. So he gives the AI sexuality in order to throw off Caleb during the AI test. Yeah. And the whole time you're thinking, oh... Uh, It's Caleb testing the AI, but really the whole point of him being there is, oh, she's going to use her, uh, all of her abilities in order to escape to see if she can, which is the real test of the AI. So it's not really, looking back, Caleb's not really the main character. It's almost like Ava's the main character through his perspective because he's a pawn and she's the one who's like our trap protagonist. And honestly, like the first time I watched it, I was like, uh, what happens at the end is um, Ava kills kills Nathan and traps Caleb. And the whole time, the thing that's fucked up about it is you're just thinking, how could she do this after he tried to help her? But looking back, I didn't feel the same pity I did the first time no, around. I, I, was, I didn't either. I was really happy that Ava escaped and she goes out into the real world. Um, she after- took some, you know... 
she has some, this newfound independence mm-hmm. that she she was basically stuck in this glass room yeah. the entire film and mm-hmm. Caleb asks her at some point have you ever been outside mm-hmm. have you ever done anything and she's like no I haven't this yeah. is the only place I know mm-hmm. and the one thing um just rethinking about this movie is it reminded me a lot about zoos just because no hear me I out. can see that yeah because it's just like we have all these like complex animals at the zoo but they're so unhappy just because, like, they want to be challenged just like humans do. And it was the same thing here where, like, Ava's so smart and she, since she's been, like, programmed through all of society. Um, and they had shown the previous AIs where they had just, like, gone crazy and, like, were banging at the doors until, like, their hands came off. Yeah. Um, and just, they're just so unhappy. So, like, I do feel like they added enough where you, like, at, you get to the end and you are happy for Ava. So yeah. maybe it's not such an effed up ending after all. She I got think, it out. I think what's effed up is especially like when I first watched it was the fact that she full on like takes advantage of the whole situation. Like she leaves Caleb essentially to die. There's no yeah. way he's surviving. Mm-hmm. And she goes and becomes like assimilated with human life. And not a single person knows that she's AI. Yeah. Which in the end was the point of mm-hmm. Caleb being there. Like he's supposed to be doing the Turing test, which is to determine if like an AI is like, human or like understands like human emotions and things like that one thing i really liked about this movie was the look of it yeah it was very clean looking Mm -hmm. um and that really reminded me and i'm done to realize this when i was watching i was like this reminds me of annihilation like i wonder (laughs) why and it's because it's the same director Mm -hmm. um who directed both annihilation and and um, ex, ex Machina, and I thought, like, this was so great. He does a really good job of setting the scene, especially mm-hmm. with the music. Yeah. The way everything looks so clean, it made me uncomfortable because you yeah. know something is going to happen. Yeah. They're, like, isolated, yet everything's made out of glass, so it's as if things are transparent, but yeah, really nothing's that's transparent. What, that was what I was going to say. Or, like, it looks transparent, but there's just so many secrets behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it has a pretty iconic dance scene. Oh, we yeah, the dance scene is great. Um, and I love in that scene where uh, Oscar Isaac or Nathan is so upbeat with Kyoko, and they're just like having a good time. Um, and the whole scene is set in red, which is yeah, I love the it's lighting. the color of evil. The yeah. color of evil. I also like. I thought Nathan. He's like the basically he's rich. He's isolated. He's very like brute mm-hmm. and feels his superiorness over everyone around him. Yeah. I thought Oscar Isaac did a great job, but also mm-hmm. in the way that, like, he interacts with Caleb and the different ways he interacts with the AI. Yeah. Showed that really well. hmm Oh, so it won for Best Visual Effects, which I think is I, totally I deserving. Also, so, if you don't know, so the way they show the AI, it's based, so it's Alicia Vikander, she's an actress. It's her face, but... And, like, she has human hands and, I think, human feet. Mm-hmm. Everything else is either, like, this mesh towards her stomach or, like, some sort of glass that's see-through that you can see wires in. Mm-hmm. So it's not like she looks like a human the whole time. Like, you can tell from the beginning she's AI. Mm-hmm. It's more, like, I can see that is more the visual effects is because yeah. she seems very real, mm-hmm. even though as an audience member and as, like, Caleb knows, she's not. Mm-hmm. Okay, also, the other thing I was going to bring up is that I love the setting, how they make it so isolated, because then you get to the end, and you you always want to do that thing where you put yourself in the position of the character who's having a, a tough, t- a real tough time, uh, and you just, 
know that he he can't get out. He's just so far away from everyone that yeah. There's um, no there's no way Caleb is surviving. Yeah, we I like as soon. I remember when I first watched it, I was like, oh, like will he survive or something like that? And the second time around, I was like, nah, he's like dying. Yeah, because he's he's locked in this room. And I assume she cut the power because mm-hmm. when you cut the power, the doors automatically lock. And in the movie, they obviously they foreshadow this. Nathan says, "Oh, it's so that no one can come in." And I wrote, "No, it's so that no one can leave." <laughs> so, oh, and I also thought the other thing interesting about it is that they say at the end that um, Ava was designed off of Caleb's uh, pornographic yeah. information, like I what he that found sexually arousing. Yeah, it wasn't that he didn't win anything. He was 100% chosen specifically for Mm -hmm. this. So like how Nathan created Ava was that he has his search engine and he turned on the microphones and the data software like to recognize faces. And he basically used all of that information to then create an artificial intelligence. So I thought obviously like as soon as he said that, I was like, okay, he must have chosen Caleb because there's no way this was an accident. Yeah. Mm hmm. All right. Um, well, I think that's all I have to say about Ex Machina. Should we move on? We should move on. Okay. But yeah, this movie makes you think. I really liked it. Yeah, it really does. Okay. okay. So next we're doing Sorry to Bother You from 2018. It's fairly new. Mm-hmm. Um, this is directed by Boots Riley. Yeah. And I, is this Boots Riley? I think it was his first. Was it his first movie? I, I don't know. Okay. okay. I'm sorry. I don't know either. But um, but it has one of our favorites, Lakeith Stanford. Oh, he's so. We good don't know. In this we movie. talked about him in Knives Out mm-hmm. and in Get Out as well. But this is, I think, one of for me his first like starring roles mm-hmm. after he's supporting in those. I yeah. thought he was great. He was funny in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially, this movie is about our main character Cassius Green, who becomes a telemarketer, and he. He, like, isn't successful when he's a telemarketer unless he uses his white voice. Mm -hmm. Um, And basically, he starts to... And the white voice, essentially, is, like, this worry-free voice. Like, they have no worries. They have the bills paid. Like, you should be lucky to be talking to them. Mm -hmm. And he uses this to basically bring up the ladder of this telemarketing scheme. And shit gets weird. Yeah, because he's (laughs) just, like... It's this back and forth between his old life and his new life, and he's just giving up everything to get further up the ladder, which involves, like, kind of going against his friends and his girlfriend, yeah. who are uh, working for a union trying to get higher wages. Yeah. And um, and what I, and obviously, like, you think, okay, like, maybe, you know, he's going to have a change of heart, and he's going to, you know, realize his girlfriend and his friends need him, and they deserve higher wages. And he does do this, but it's mostly because he realizes that they're turning people into horses. Mm-hmm. And that's where it gets really freaking weird. And that's not until, like, the very end. So yeah. it's mostly normal, uh, apart from the using your white voice, which, like, you kind of get used to after a while. You do, because um, um, in once he gets higher up, they can only use their white voice at work. Yeah. So, like, before where he was coming into work using his normal voice, he had to literally, like, start using it as soon as he walked in the building. Mm-hmm. And as uh, he just continues to do this, his white voice kind of merges into his real life and there's one scene where he's in the uh like sleeping with his girlfriend uh tessa thompson who i love in this we'll talk about her later though her costume's great great. uh and there's one morning he wakes up starts using the white voice and she's like oh you have to like stop it with that voice like i don't want to hear that and then he has to be like oh i'm so sorry i didn't even realize i was using it um, but yeah really unique movie great color palette i love all the neon colors and tessa thompson all of her costumes are so good. Like, her, overall, just such a good character. 
Um, I love her politically motivated earrings that she wears because yes. they're really big. Um, that's murder, murder, murder on one earring and kill, kill, kill. kill. Yeah, and there's sick. another that says, uh, tell Homeland Security we are the bomb. Um, also in this film, Terry Crews mm-hmm. plays um, Cassius Green's uncle, who is where he lived in the beginning and who's going to be losing his house, which was his motiva- was Cassius Green's motivation to continue telemarketing mm-hmm. um, so that he can keep his house. And then there's also Stephen Yun, who plays Squeeze, mm-hmm. who was kind of the instigator for the um, like protests in the union. Yeah, because one of the other things they're protesting is there's this new company uh, and it's the it's workers called, live there. Yes, yeah, so it's called Worry Free, and they allude to this the entire movie. Like, there's mm-hmm. no, there's no way you watch and you don't know who Worry Free is. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I thought the commercials were so funny. They used like yeah. an MTV Cribs like commercial to show you what's going on. Mm-hmm. And essentially, like, it looks like a prison. It essentially is a prison. It's compared to slavery yeah. multiple times. And essentially, where you sign a contract and you work for free. But you're not, you don't have to worry anymore because you have a place to stay and you mm-hmm. have food and you have like a community. Yeah, and these end up being the people who get turned into the horses at the end. Because they want um, better like physical labor. And they're yeah. like, you know who doesn't get tired? Horses, horses don't. And they're like, they look crazy. Like you think like, okay, they're just going to have a bunch of horses. It's like, no, they're human horse hybrids. And they look really weird, and they talk like humans. Mm-hmm. And I had to pause and just think for, like, a several, several minutes after it was yeah. over. I was like, I don't understand what's going yeah. on. My least favorite thing in just movies overall that freaks me out the most is body horror. So I very oh, much yeah, did is... not like to see this. Because there's one scene um, where he first realizes what's going on, and they're all, like, all the horse people are begging for help. Um, and then after this whole fiasco... And you kind of think that Cash is going back to his normal life and he gets, um, like, his his regular ideals back and morals. And you're yeah. like, oh, like, he's out of this for sure. Then he gets turned into a horse. And that's sort of where the movie ends. Well, do you see the thing after? Oh, yeah, he's, he's a horse and at he, the end yeah, of the movie. He's a horse at the end of the movie and goes back up to beat up the, the main boss. Played by Army Hammer, who yeah. is also pretty funny in this mm-hmm. movie. Um but yeah, so in the I remember when I was watching when I'm like horse people, my literal note was WTF, and then <laughs> so he shows this whole film about like oh like Army Hammer showing Cassius Green because he's offering a job and the job was essentially to become a horse person mm-hmm. and infiltrate the horse the horse people so there's no like union making or no riots or anything like that, and he's like watch this video and it's this like claymation oh, yeah. video of this like cave woman with was naked the whole time Mm -hmm. and doesn't change at all and she's explaining like why horses are better and like how you become a horse is like you snort something and before he had watched the video Cassius had snorted something so when I first saw it I was like oh no he's gonna become a horse and that and then he's like of course I didn't give you any of that and it wasn't until the end of the movie where you're like nah he did yeah he gave him the powder I hated that so much um but the horse thing it works really well from the point that like these are people giving their whole body to a company. Like, that's sort of what they're trying to show. Like, yeah. these people are working, like, people in real life working so hard that they have to physically give up just everything yeah. in order to make money in the world. Yeah, and this is just animal like. Farm? Oh, yeah. Yeah, animal so farm. if you know about the horse mm-hmm. and animal farm, you know, the horse works very, very hard. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I haven't read this book in a while, but it definitely <laughs> reminds me of this is like horse metaphor going mm-hmm. on that is very tied to working yeah. people and the physical labor that comes with working. Yeah. 
Uh-huh. And the other scene I wanted to bring up was at the party where the whole movie, he's basically pretending to be white in order to make his yes. way in the world. But then at the party when he's surrounded by all of his white colleagues, they want him to be like very stereotypically black and yeah. almost use him as entertainment. And they keep on saying like, oh, like, like we know you can rap, like rap for us. And he's like, no, I'm actually really bad at rapping. It's yeah. like embarrassing. And then he does rap and it's like, yeah, he's bad. Yeah, but it's just, like, such a cringy scene on, like, everyone at the party's part. Um, so that's something that stuck out to me. Um, um, one of the things I did like about this movie is that in the beginning, Cassius, like, he says that, he's like, I don't understand, like, what my life purpose is. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm just surviving. And then all of a sudden, he gets telemarketing, and he becomes really good at it. And that becomes his kind of life purpose. And that's mm-hmm. why he doesn't mind, you know, like not talking to his friends who are on the union trying to get more money because he's making more money and mm-hmm. he's feeling like he has a purpose even though he's essentially like when when he gets to the top in his white voice he's like he's like oh are we just like um are we just um you know selling slave labor like and they're like yeah we are <laughs> and he does it because he wants to be this better person who has a purpose he's just become so immersed in the lifestyle he's gotten used to yeah uh-huh and uh, there's one scene i really like uh, it's just like very artistic and it's like his small TV and it's like blown up yeah, to like a flat screen TV. Uh, yeah, just when to he show that to he's, get more money. Yeah, he gets more money because um, he complains a lot in the beginning about like, oh, he's living in a garage, he doesn't have this nice car, which he is really worried about. But his girlfriend, uh, Tessa Thompson, she sees the whole wor- the world in a totally different light of, like, it doesn't matter why we're here. We're here now. And, and she, that's the best part yeah, of it. Yeah, and she's an artist, so that's her, like, life purpose to mm-hmm. that Cassius sees. is like, oh, she does all this art. She does this really weird performance art where people mm-hmm. are throwing, like, cell phones and balloons filled with blood, animal blood. Um, yeah. I also mm-hmm. love the weird sense of humor. There was a point where they're talking about telemarketing and it's about like tagum and bagum. And this guy keeps talking about the morgue. He's like, yeah, you know, when you're in the morgue and you tag a body and then you take the body outside (laughs) and everyone is just super quiet. And they're like, what the Mm -hmm. fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Um, I also like the main lady with the black hair who's sort of like their boss during the telemarketing thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I just think she's funny. I wrote down, uh, just because... Everyone knows someone like her. She's got this one quote that says, we're family now. You know what that means? It means you lean on one another. There's a synergy. And then she's like, people are starting to get emotional. I love that. And just no one's emotional. They're all just staring yeah. there. It's sort of just like what a professor's like, come on, guys, isn't this so fun? And everyone's just dead silent. <laughs> but it's funny. Well, not funny, but um, when Cash gets his promotion, she becomes like more attracted to him. Yeah. He- uh, and they have a lot of themes in this about like, Oh, the the more money you have, the more people will be attracted to you. And they show at the end that, like, the um, Army Hammer's character, he's, like, at the party surrounded by women. Um, yeah. Mm, so, yeah. Uh, I also like the way when he's doing a um, telemarketing call, he physically drops into wherever he is, whether uh-huh. that person is having sex with someone. Or there's that old woman crying about her dying husband. Oh, and he's, like, physically there with them. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a great way. Because telemarketing really much is, is a very physical barrier. Mm-hmm. And people who are, like, telemarketers, like, they're trying to sell you something. Mm-hmm. And I think by having them, him physically see the other per- person makes mm-hmm. it a little bit less alienating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, the other character who I really liked was Mr. Blank. And, like, they would beep out his name oh, yeah. whenever was, he was on screen. He had an iPad. 
had a really crazy mustache. Yeah, he was weird. I, mm-hmm. didn't, I didn't really understand him. He was fun to like watch, but I was also, but he's also like, he's um, Mr. Blank, he's African American. He mm-hmm. also like dons the white voice, mm-hmm. just like Cassius does. And obviously, like, that's the only way for them to be successful is to be essentially white. Yeah. Uh, and the point about the eye patch I was reading was because the main uh, union group is called uh, the left left I forget exactly what it was but left something left eye left eye and the eye patch was covering his left eye like he was turning a blind eye to that organization that which I just so many sense. things in this movie are done that are just so smart and well thought out yeah just a fun note um, there's uh, Danny Glover. Yeah, so Danny Glover, he's in this movie. He's really great. He's the one who tells Cassius about the white boys, but they're at the bar, and one of my favorite scenes is when he's like, he's like, give me the good whiskey. And so the bartender opens, like, a little door on a bottle of whiskey and takes an even tinier bottle of whiskey <laughs> and pours it into mm-hmm. a cup. And I was like, that's just, like, great yeah. aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And that, like, doesn't describe how this movie is set. Like, nothing will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to add? Um, I think the only other thing is David Cross plays the white voice, and he's just got a really funny voice. Who is David Cross? David Cross, uh, he was in Megamind and Arrested Development, and he plays uh, the caramel M&M on all the M&M commercials. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. All right, so uh, we're going to move on to the next movie now, uh, 2016's The Handmaiden. Yes, yeah, so this is a Korean film. Mm-hmm. Um, and the I, second Korean film yeah, on our list. yeah. Um, and I think this one's going to be the hardest to talk about just because it's put into three different parts, and each one shows a different perspective of the whole movie, or of the first half of the movie, like yeah. what we've seen so far. So essentially what The Handmaiden is about is that there's essentially a Korean girl is sent to a, a woman's house, and she's supposed to be the handmaiden for this mm-hmm. very wealthy woman. Woman. Mm-hmm. And the, um, that family is Japanese, and there's a sense that where, like, Japanese and Japanese culture is seen in very high regard, while Korean Koreans and Korean culture is seen in very low regard. Um, and basically, she's there, and the whole point is that she's there to infiltrate mm-hmm. and basically make this woman fall in love with this guy so that he can steal her money. Yeah. And that's and essentially the film. Yeah, the whole thing is he's trying to um, take her money, as you said. And they're going to trick the Countess into going into a menstrual institution. Like, that's the whole part of it. Yeah, and then, then the handmaiden will then get some of the money, and so mm-hmm. will he, and then they'll, like, run off. Yeah. Um, so it's told, it's it's very confusing, because obviously the two different cultures, but it's also in two different languages. They tell you in the beginning of the film, any, like, subtitles in yellow is spoken Japanese, anything subtitled in white is Korean or mm-hmm. another language. Yeah. And the reason this is so, like, it just, like, plays with your mind the whole time. Because at first you think that uh, the handmaiden and the count, they're in cahoots trying to get her in the um, the mental institution. And then you find out that it's the countess and the count in cahoots to get her. Uh, the handmaiden in the mental institution. And then at the end, it's really... They're in love, love. and they screw him over because he's a horrible person. So it's really the the countess Mm -hmm. and the handmaiden fall in love, and they're like, no, we got to screw the men over in our lives. Uh And then they they do. They have a happy ending. Yeah. But the one thing I really liked about this movie um, was... So in the beginning, every woman, especially the countess and... The handmaiden are both seen as very naive children, mm-hmm. both when they each in each person's perspective. So, in when it starts out in the handmaiden, the countess is seen as very childlike. I described her when I was writing my notes as very like 
ditzy and dumb, mm-hmm. and she's very baby-like, and... But also in the, but she really, she's not really, she's quite smart. And she's and had this horrible upbringing where uh, she's basically been trained since she was a little girl to read Japanese books that are uh, very erotic because that's what the uncle does. He sells books and has her read them. Um, and the, um, the aunt who, you don't get to meet the aunt, do you? No, she no, does. They, yeah, the, what happens to the aunt is that the uncle has this basement where it's basically a torture chamber. And the aunt tries to run away, and that was her old job, to, like, read the uh, pornographic books. And he tortures her to death and then hangs her on the tree to make it look like a suicide. But because the um, the count, the main character, is, Countess, is so smart, she realizes, oh, I read in a book that uh, when people are hung, they have their tongues out, and, like, our aunt wasn't doing that. And the uncle shows her the basement and says, no, this is what happens, and this will happen to you if you run away. So she's very scared. Yeah. So, um... And she also, it drives her to, to her freedom. Like, she just wants to get away from the uncle. Yeah. Um, and then also what, what else happens... So both women are seen in each other's eyes as very dumb, but they're both mm-hmm. really smart. So the handmaiden is seen also as, like, very dumb. Mm-hmm. She speaks very quickly and very girl- girlishly. But and then she talks to the audience. Mm-hmm. Both of them do. Anytime they're in someone's perspective. So in the beginning of the film, it's... You don't know that she's tricking the countess. You just think, oh, there's this handmaiden who's maybe you think is going to become, you know, rich or something like mm-hmm. that. And she's, she's you know, going to this woman's house. And then maybe, like, 15 minutes into it, it goes, oh, you thought I was some dumb Korean girl? <laughs> You're wrong. I'm actually here to steal her money. And yeah, she talks to like the audience. pro-pickpocketer. Yeah, pro-pickpocketer. She's really not this dumb girl. Mm-hmm. And I really, I really like how they talk to the audience as yeah. a way to kind of break the fourth wall, also break our own expectations of these women. Mm-hmm. I feel like The Handmaiden is very rewatchable because when you go back and watch it, you're looking for all the things. At, yeah. uh, there's just so much to pick apart. And it's also just so beautifully done. Like, I love all the, the scenes between uh, the two girls, it's so delicate. It's like a really beautiful love story. It is. They fall in love and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I also love all the costumes in this because they're just so, a lot of emphasis on wealth and the Countess is really wealthy. She's got like all these dresses with all these buttons on them. Uh, It's a very like European style of dress. Yeah. And I saw this one video that was talking about the importance of gloves in this movie. How whenever she's, uh, the Countess is with the handmaiden, she never has her gloves on because she's the only person she's willing to open up to. But in all the scenes with like the Count and the uncle, she always has gloves on. Uh, which I thought was just really interesting uh, and really, just really good detail. I think one of the scenes that made me really like want to put this on this list mm-hmm. was when you think um, the count the countess is going to the mental institution mm-hmm. when it's actually the handmaiden who goes to the yeah. mental institution. Like I legitimately <sighs> gasped. I was like, "What is going on?" And at that point, you see the the beginning of the movie from mm-hmm. the countess's point of view. Yeah, and that's where things turn. Where you're like, "Oh, maybe this isn't what." I thought it was going to be. Yeah, just such such a good plot twist. Um, but there mm-hmm. is a good note. So in Korean, the name of the movie is the lady referring to the countess as the main character. Mm-hmm. But I guess when they translated it to um, English, it's the handmaiden, which puts puts emphasis obviously on the handmaiden as the main mm-hmm. character. So mm-hmm. I thought that was very interesting to mm-hmm. see, like which one of them is considered the main character. Yeah. In the film. And let's talk about the ending with uh, the count being tortured. <laughs> In yeah. the basement. In because, the torture room. Yeah, because that was just crazy. Like, that's one of the... I I feel like not the most fucked up thing about this movie, because I feel like, at least for me, it was just the... I, uh, 
having so many changes throughout the movie. Yeah, but just not knowing who to trust. Not knowing who to trust. Like, the best... One of the best movies about deception there is, yes. for sure. Also, like, lying narrators mm-hmm. and even deceiving, like, uh, the audience. Because you're seeing it from one person's perspective. But mm-hmm. I feel like when you watch a movie, that's not necessarily what you think. Yeah. You think, oh, this is, like, it's third person because you can see everything. Mm-hmm. But it shows you that it's really, no, it's from two diff- these two different women's perspective mm-hmm. and how that really changes each yeah. scene. Yeah, and they, I feel like just that formatting in general isn't done a lot in movies, which makes it's this It's not one, done well. I think yeah. they did it really well here. Yeah, but I feel like they should, like, more people should use this more often if done well because it just keeps your interest the whole time because it almost, like... It's a re- long movie. Yeah, it's a long movie, but every time it switches perspective and shows the same thing, it's almost like the refresh button is being hit. Yeah. You have to see it in a whole new light. Which I think It forces you to think and to rethink about what you've previously known. Mm -hmm. Like, it makes you feel like, who who should I trust and, like, who should I be trusting? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the end, it's where he smokes the... So, the the point of the movie is the the Countess marries the guy, and eventually he gets taken by the uncle, Mm -hmm. and basically he's like, where is she? Um, And he starts to smoke this, like, blue cigarette. And you, he, like, he knows this, that it's poisonous. I forgot mm-hmm. what specifically it is. Mercury. Mercury, and... Because in its uh, gas form, it's the strongest. Yeah, so when he's smoking it, he knows he's dying. But he's like, oh, you know what all this smoke is right now? That's mercury. That's, and he's like, you're gonna die, uncle. And the mm-hmm. uncle does die. Yeah. It was, like, a great ending, because, you know, patriarchy doesn't win. The Her trauma it. doesn't win. Yeah, yeah. Um, and actually, the next movie we're talking about is also Korean and also about um, a struggle for power between uh, two different classes, really. Yeah, they, yeah. Not by the same director, though. Mm-mm. So our next film is Parasite. Unless there's anything you want to add. Uh, no, I. I highly recommend this. Is oh yeah, definitely. I feel like not enough people have seen The Handmaiden, but everyone would love this movie. Yeah, I talk about it too much. <laughs> um, so our next film is. Parasite. If you don't know, it's probably one of the biggest foreign films of 2019, mm-hmm. if not one of the biggest films of 2019. Yeah. It has maybe like six or more Oscar nominations going mm-hmm. on right now for Best Director, Best Picture, Best Foreign Film. Oh, six. Yeah, six Oscars exactly. Right yeah. on target. Good job. That. Yeah. Um, this movie was incredible. Yeah. And spoilers, we're going to say what happened. Mm-hmm. And essentially what this movie is about is we have... Our main characters is a family of four. We have a mother, father, sister, and brother. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try to pronounce their Korean names because I definitely will butcher it, and I don't think Claire will understand who I'm mm-hmm. talking about. So I'm just gonna yeah. refer to them as brother, sister, mm-hmm. mother, father, um, or as their jobs in the future. Mm-hmm. And basically, the son meets up with one of his friends, and the friend is like, "Hey, can you take over as tutoring duty?" And the son, he's like never been to school you know in the beginning of the film you see how poor they are and how they're basically just folding pizza boxes for money and doing it really badly really really good they're not even doing it right (laughs) and he's like oh just friends like fake it you'll be fine Mm -hmm. so he fakes it and he realizes that he can get his entire family into like to as to work for this rich family Mm -hmm. and it's basically that's that's the main plot point of this film and then like halfway through like, shit hits the fan, it becomes a completely different yeah. film. Mm-hmm. Definitely the most original film of the year. That's what sure. I think. Yeah. Um, and what you find out is there's people living in the basement, and the whole, uh, the original family, they're trying to just get, 
all the workers of the rich house just kicked out so they can take their place. And that comes to some really great scenes. So the sister becomes the art tutor. The father becomes the driver. The mother becomes the maid, mm-hmm. essentially, or the caretaker of the house. Mm-hmm. And the house also has a lot of great, like, respect for it. It was, like, created by this architect, and it's, it's isolated. It has its own gate that you come in. Yeah. Oh, and one of the things about the house that I really like is... Uh, so the whole thing is about, or when I finished watching this movie, the main theme I got out of it was just, like, this cycle of poverty and how, like, it's so hard to escape that lifestyle. And one of the things they talk about is um, the main uh, father uh, of the rich house, he keeps on commenting on, like, oh, they, they smell so bad. Like, oh, I, like, he's a great driver, but he just smells really bad. And just how the stench of poverty, like, still follows you around, even though you're trying to escape it. And yeah. the house that they're always going to, it's, you have to walk up, like, this huge hill and all these steps to get there. And whenever they're showing, like, going from the rich community to, like, the poor community, they're always using it in steps. Which is smart, because they're trusting the audience to, like, pick up on these small things instead of just telling you, like, this is what I'm trying to get across. No, I talked about this with my brother, and the one thing I really love about Parasite is that the movie itself is so engrossing that you don't realize, like, the points on capitalism, mm-hmm. the points between the rich and the poor until after you've already seen it. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's not until the movie's done that you're thinking back on it and you're like, oh, I'm noticing these things right now. Mm-hmm. And so essentially, eventually, you know, going back to the plot, all of the, the poor family, they end up you know, infiltrating the rich family, and the rich family goes away for a weekend. And, you know, they're, like, living it up in the house. They're mm-hmm. drinking, they're eating, they're having a great time. And all of a sudden, the old housekeeper comes back, and she's, like, beaten. And literally, as soon as she, like, pulls on the doorbell, like, there's a different shift. Yeah. That is just... Even though she's just, like, a regular person, it's so scary when she's at the door. Because you're, like... Why Why is she here? Why is she here? What is she doing here? Like... If I was working at the house, I don't think I would have let her And also, the housekeeper doesn't know that all the people they hired are actually family. Yeah. The rich rich family doesn't know either. They Mm -hmm. all just assume that they, like, you have a connection. Like, oh, I know. The whole point is that, you know, once the son was hired, he's like, oh, I know someone who would be good. And once Mm -hmm. she was hired, she's like, oh, I know someone that would be a good driver. Mm -hmm. I know someone that knows someone. Mm -hmm. And that's how they all all kind of got the job. Mm -hmm. So for the housekeeper, she comes in and she basically shows the new housekeeper that there's this hidden bunker that was for, like, nuclear war that the original architect never told the new family. Mm-hmm. And, and oh, no, I was just going to say, I was going to say the, uh, the maid is the one who's the hardest to get out just because she's, um, she's lived there the longest. Um, oh, and the, so she's got, like, a horrible peach allergy. And uh-huh. that scene is so funny, and it's so well edited. It's so well um, There are definitely, I watched a video on YouTube, it's like why it's the best edited mm-hmm. scene. It's funny, it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. It's also quite cruel, what yeah. they do to her. But, like, there's a point in the film where you're rooting for the poor family, and there's a point where you're not. Because, like, to mm-hmm. infiltrate the, this family, they trigger her very severe peach allergy and accuse her of having TB. Yeah. Which is... <laughs> terrible Mm -hmm. and that's why she gets fired from her job and then they accuse they had an old driver and they accuse him of having sex in the back in the back seat but the rich family takes it as like him raping someone yeah and that was like its own thing you're like you're destroying these two people's lives yeah um but going back to when the, the the old housekeeper comes back so there's this like 
bunker and her husband had been living in the bunker for like four years Mm -hmm. like had not seen daylight and there's these like flickering lights when the in the when you walk into the house and he controls it from down there Mm -hmm. and essentially you know the new the old housekeeper's like please can you leave him here you know there are lone sharks going after him which is also another commentary on you know what people have to do to survive when they don't Mm -hmm. have the money to pay things off yeah and and she was like, I think she was gonna say no, and then all of a sudden her entire family comes barreling in, mm-hmm. and the old housekeeper is like, wait, like you all, you four all know each other, and it becomes this kind of like, you know, fight for control yeah. of who gets to keep this job and keep this lifestyle. Yeah, wait, that particular scene, watching it the second time, it reminded me of the scene in The Incredibles when like the main bad guy, I forget his name. But, like, pulled the whole family together and was like, oh, it's a family. And that's sort of what she did. And she was like, oh, my God, they're a family. That's because the son starts saying he, like, falls. He's like, father. And she's like, wait a minute. And there's also this whole thing on phones, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Anytime they're recording something, that's proof Mm -hmm. of something. Um, Which obviously makes sense. Mm -hmm. But so then it becomes this pure control for power and... While this is all happening, the other family is coming back mm-hmm. because it was raining. Because mm-hmm. they're supposed to be on a camping trip for the son's birthday. But um, it was raining and therefore they have to come back. Yeah, so and all this is going on and they've got to like clean the house and the mother has to like make them dinner. And they're trying to like keep the, uh, the, the other maid and her husband in the basement. And they're all doing this within a span of eight minutes. So it's it was extremely wild. stressful. And also because the, house, the, the old housekeeper wants to tell the wife. That they're all the family, which ruined the whole, like, ruse of them mm-hmm. making all this money and becoming, you know, getting out of their lifestyle. Yeah. So that's all happening. And then they end up, like, the, um, there's, like, a, a pretty funny scene where the new housekeeper, she's making dinner. Mm-hmm. And you can see there's these really great stairs that lead from the basement to the main floor of the house. And it's mm-hmm. basically, like, a black little like hallway but you can't see anything so you see her walk up the old housekeeper walk up the stairs and the new housekeeper just kicks her (laughs) down the stairs and it's a funny moment until you realize she's got a horrible concussion concussion. Mm -hmm. and she eventually dies from that yeah and essentially like she you know the new housekeeper killed the old one yeah and then from that point the husband who has been down there for four years who has never hasn't seen light who is now you know, his sole per- person that mm-hmm. he had contact with is dead. Mm-hmm. He, at the end of the film, basically kills, like, he kills so many daughter. Kills yeah. a daughter, Jessica. Yeah, and then after uh, Jessica from Illinois, <laughs> um, after she dies, okay, another part. See, it's such a complicated movie. There's so well, many things going so, on. There's that part, and during that moment, the son from the rich house also goes into a seizure. And the reason for that is because there was one time on his birthday, years before, where uh, he, the son had gone star- downstairs to like get cake yeah. um, and eat it. And the, the husband is coming up from the staircase, since that's where he always... That's at night he's always getting food. Yeah, since eat. that's the only time he can like actually go upstairs without anyone seeing him. And the son sees like just his eyes and the way it's shot it's like the nose it's the nose up and it almost looks like he doesn't even have like pupils or anything it's just like completely white he just looks like a ghost which causes the son to like go into shock and starts having a seizure so at the birthday party jessica is like there's blood everywhere she's dying 
And then the son is having a seizure. Because he recognizes the guy. So the father is trying to take care of Jessica while the other father is screaming, like, no, like, we need to go to the hospital right now. And he has this one moment where he's well, like... Well, all the rich people all leave. Yeah. Which, like, makes sense. Like, there's a tragedy going mm-hmm. on, but no one tries to help yeah. the family. Like, yeah. the poor family, when they all realize, you know, like, someone stabbed their dog mm-hmm. or they're trying to help her. Like, no one tries to go help, Je- like, essentially, which was her English yeah. name was Jessica. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, the father just snaps and then kills the other father. Kills the, the rich father. So then he runs back into the basement and... Essentially takes the place of the other husband. Yes. And the end of the film is he basically does this whole... How the the um, old housekeeper's husband would communicate or how he thought he was communicating with the rich husband was through mm-hmm. the lights. He would do Morse code. Yeah. So the, the son would then visit the house thinking, like, he just kind of, I think, misses it. It was a very big deal for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he saw this Morse... This, like, the light flickering. And it's actually his father writing him a letter, mm-hmm. basically saying, like, this is what happened. Because since after that huge event, the son had been hit on the head by the house the housekeeper's husband. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you didn't know if he was going to make it. Eventually he does. And then um, he goes back to the house. He sees this letter. And he realizes his father's alive. And yeah. no one knows where the father is. No one knows that the father is in that basement. And no one knows about the basement. Yeah. That's the thing that it's still kept a secret. Mm-hmm. Because the police suspected, like, oh, the family knows where the father is. But mm-hmm. in really, like, they had no idea. Um, and they had, like, detectives coming after them and everything. And he writes this whole letter, basically, t- to his father, which is a future where he goes goes to school and he becomes really rich and he buys his house and he's reunited with his his um, family. And it was, like, so beautiful. And you see it happen. You see yeah. him you know, tour the house, you see him buy the house, and the father just comes up the stairs, and it's all in broad daylight, mm-hmm. and he just rejoins the family. Mm-hmm. And and then at the end, you realize it's just something he's hoping to happen, something yeah. that has happened. Mm-hmm. But it ends on a hopeful note. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it was good. It, it ends where it started, with the yeah. lovely shot of the this um, house in the film, the where the, the poor family live. It's these houses in Korea where it's, basically a basement house like mm-hmm. they're they're not they're below ground but they have a sliver of window that is that you can see onto the street that is onto the street so it's it's, it's as if they are you know above ground but really they're not it yeah. gives them this kind of hope that they can you know, reach to higher yeah which i thought was a good touch mm-hmm. um also one thing i really like about this film was the i love the sister how she's the sister is an art tutor oh, and yeah. The, she's like, oh, um, the son has had a trauma. Mm-hmm. I can tell from this corner of the painting. Oh, the called, schizophrenic the, corner. The schizophrenic corner of, of this drawing. And she, the funniest part was, was that she's like, oh, yeah, I looked it up online, and then I just bullshitted the yeah. rest of it. No, that was great. And she's so good at it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's, like, one of the best con artists there is. Like, she's uh, really she's good. She's really good at Photoshop and... Um, made a basically like a college diploma for the brother when he first got the job yeah mm-hmm. and um i love the mom in this movie as well she's really great the one thing i was upset about the oscar is that none of these people were nominated for acting they won the sag award last night they just won the ensemble, sag award which like we're really happy about. and i think they could have replaced i'm salty about the <laughs> the best actress or best actor, they could have put any of these people because no one is really a main. Everyone mm-hmm. is quite supporting. Yeah. So anyone could have done. I thought the the mother was really great. She was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Um. I like the mom in it. 
So there were no nominations at the Oscars for acting categories. Uh, we have another episode about this, but I just want to hear your opinion one more time. Best picture, do you think they'll win? I think I think they should win. Yeah. I think they'll probably win best foreign film. Yo, yeah. I truly think this was one of the greatest films of 2019. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was shot beautifully. The one thing I've talked about is where you you know you watch the movie and then you think about the themes. The reason we put this on like most this most fucked up playlist is that because you're constantly thinking about it. There's so much to talk about and there's mm-hmm. so much care that he put into this. Yeah. That you can dissect like a frame in this film and still have 20 things to talk about. Yeah. Another thing that we were supposed to get back around to was there's one scene right after the whole fiasco where the family's trapped at the house and they're trying to avoid the rich family. Uh, they go back to their old home and you're sort of thinking at this point, like, oh, good, like, that was so intense. Like, I need, like, a break. Like, I need it to be something calm. Yeah. And it's pouring rain and the whole house is flooded since they live in the basement. Not just their house. Like, the entire yeah. neighborhood yeah. is flooded. Mm-hmm. And there's this, like, shot where the sun is, the water is flowing down. So they're always walking down from mm-hmm. the house, obviously, because from rich to poor, you go on a lower level. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's wa- always water running down. And he has, like, these beautifully white shoes. Yeah. And you can tell he's very, like, hurt about that, mm-hmm. where he's like, I'm going to ruin my shoes, but I have to go down. Yeah. And, yeah, it was, like... It was just such a messy, like, messy scene. And they end up in, basically, I assume it was, like, some sort of cafeteria, gymnasium sort yeah. of thing, where a bunch of other people are there, and then they have to go to this birthday party <sighs> the next day because the mother... The rich mother wants it. Yeah. And she keeps saying on the phone when the father's driving around, oh, the rain is such a blessing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's such a blessing because the birthday party was so much better now that it rained. We yeah. have a gorgeous day outside. Mm-hmm. And you can tell from that point that she's just ignorant to what's going on. Yeah. The fact that so many people were displaced. Yeah. And she's calling it a blessing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is, it's a whole different story. And how, like, the rich don't understand. Yeah, no, there's a lot of emphasis on, like, what money does to your personality. Yeah. Because there's one line from the the poor mother. Uh, there, she's having a conversation with her husband, and they the husband's like, oh, like, they're all so nice. And she's like, yes, of course they're nice. It's because they're rich. If I had this money, I would be nice, too. Yeah, and also, um, we talked about this, the smell before. So where this comes from is where they the dad talks about how... Oh, the, the the rich father, he says, oh, the driver's so good, except that he smells. And I and he's like, I can't really place the smell. It smells like the subway. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, everyone else in this, in like, are their new workers smell like that too? And then they're mm-hmm. trying to, like, oh, we have to use different soap. And the sister goes, no, that's not the smell of soap. That's just the smell of being poor. Mm-hmm. And you realize, like, they, they like, you know, turn their nose up to this and they're, yeah. And they're constantly mentioning it, where, like, mm-hmm. oh, it smells so much. Or, like, she's plugging her nose, or she starts to, the rich mother starts to notice it more. Mm-hmm. It really hurt me. I was like, you don't have to yeah. be so mean about it. Yeah. Uh, any any other thoughts on Parasite? Um, I do think that the rich family's view of, like, how poor people live is very different. Mm-hmm. Um, in the film, when they find the underwear in the car to fire the first driver, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, she must have been on drugs because who forgets her underwear? Mm-hmm. That's, like, something you wouldn't necessarily forget if you were having consensual sex in a car. Yeah. They said, oh, he must have drugged her. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the film, the parents are on the couch because their son is wants, still wants to do the whole teepee thing, so he's, like, in the backyard doing it, and they're on the couch watching, and they start to, like, 
make out and they start to kind of role play being poor. Yeah. And he's like, she's like, oh, give me drugs. And he's like, of course. And you can see, like, they really have no concept of how people live. Like, yeah. for them, it's this other reality. Mm-hmm. It's fun to them. Yeah, it's a fun yeah, and game to them, them. Yeah. you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's the one thing I wanted to point point out. But we hi- you haven't seen it yet, I highly recommend. Yeah. Like, I was afraid it wasn't going to be worth all this hype I was hearing. And I, it was so it was worth, worth it. So worth the hype. I also think it's interesting. Um, I haven't seen this other movie, but uh, Bong Joon-ho also has another movie called The Host. I've not seen the host. No, neither have I, but I just think, like, host, parasite. He did do a movie with Netflix called Okja. Oh, haven't he seen He really, like, likes to play with themes of capitalism and rich and poor, mm-hmm. and that's throughout all of his films. Yeah. That's very apparent in Okja as well, even though it's about, like, a, a weird hippo-pig hybrid. Yeah. But he's just, like, a great filmmaker, and I hope that uh, since Parasite's gotten so much attention, it gives him the opportunity to make, like, more of the movies he wants to make. Give, like, better representation for, you know... Korean cinema, because we have two Korean movies on this list, and they're Mm -hmm. great. Yeah. Okay. Our last movie of the night, which takes place completely during the daytime, Midsommar. Let's go. I freaking love this movie. (laughs) So, if you couldn't tell from our last podcast, where we talked about Midsommar not getting any nominations (laughs) for anything... Claire and I love this movie. This is, I think, my favorite movie of the year. I just Really? Okay, I just... This is weird because it's, like, a cult movie where lots of people die, but I found it so personal and comforting. Really? Okay, because so, I think the way... Um, well, what were you going to explain So, that? I just listened to an, uh, the A24 podcast between Ari Aster and Robert Eagers, um, and he talks about Midsummer, and he talks about how um, Ari Aster, who directed Her- um, Hereditary... He did Midsummer as well, mm-hmm. and how he doesn't really see it as horror. So for the main character, played by Florence Pugh, her name's Danny, he sees it as like a fairy tale sort of thing mm-hmm. where she's coming to. While for everyone else in the film, it's this like folk folk tale like horror film. Mm-hmm. I loved like the way he described it because it really reigns true yeah. to the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's what I wanted to mention. No, I just say. thought the thing I loved was Danny was just such a good character, and like. I love the way she's portrayed dealing with the loss of a family member and just this whole time she's trying to cope with the loss of her sister who also killed uh, her parents. Yeah, the one thing I really liked about this movie is that even though I feel like it was advertised as like this horror film, it's much more about Danny's journey. It's really character driven. It's very because she is just trying to like find a new. She doesn't really know this, but like what she's missing is a community she that like no accepts community. her. Because she has um, her horrible, horrible, horrible boyfriend, Christian, and he's just really doesn't, he wants to end the relationship, um, but this horrible tragedy came up with, like, her, and he's like, oh, I can't do it right now. She's going through so much pain. Yeah, like, she can't be alone. But really, even before that, like, he's not there for her. Yeah, he's never Mm -hmm. there for her. So the, Mm -hmm. the story... Like, when I first thought it, I was like, cool, we're going to be in Sweden the whole time. And the story starts out, and, like, dark. It's, like, snowing outside. It's pretty dark. And it, um, if you haven't, I definitely recommend watching this movie twice. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of, like, homemade sort of things that I really enjoyed. The first shot of the entire film spoils the whole movie. Yeah. It's that, this, like, I don't even know what to describe it. A it's, tapestry. A, yeah, a tapestry in it. And if you look it up online, which is what I did, it essentially shows, like, the parents dying and then they go on this journey and all these things happening which we we're gonna say mentioned before so it starts out you assume some american city mm-hmm. um and it's uh, it's this girl she's calling her boyfriend she's like i don't like i got this weird email from my sister she's not answering me and you see a shot into the parents house and you're like oh they're sleeping like she <laughs> called them they're fine and you realize 
no, they're not fine. The sister who was bipolar killed herself and her parents. And the email she sent was like something along the lines of like, everything's dark, I'm taking them with me. Mm-hmm. And she kills them by, she took like the car hose and basically did carbon monoxide poisoning mm-hmm. to like directly to herself yeah. and then to her parents. So when you saw the parents sleeping, they weren't sleeping, they were dead. Mm-hmm. And the boyfriend is like, oh, Danny's calling me, like everything's gonna be fine, stop freaking out. And then you get the set. And then as soon as after that call ends, you go to the boyfriend's point of view and all, mm-hmm. of, all of their, he's like, you know, at a pizza place or a bar or something with his friends and they're like, do break up with her. Yeah. Like, is that seriously her again? And Florence was so good. She just starts yelling no. Mm-hmm. Once he gets the second phone call and you're like, shit, has hit the fan. Yeah. You just like, whenever she's emotional, like you just really feel it. Like she yeah. does such a good job. Especially in this movie, her character is very emotional. Like, mm-hmm. She's always crying. She has a lot of pressure on herself. Yeah. Um, she's always very apologetic mm-hmm. to her boyfriend and to when, everyone, everyone. Even, like, when she's not Men's, supposed to. Because there's one be. scene where she's like, oh, like, um, Christian forgets her birthday. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry, I should have reminded you. Or it's like, no, Danny, you're our queen. You're our May queen. Don't yes. be apologizing for and that. And the reason this whole movie goes to Sweden is because... They're all, um, I assume, graduate students in college. I love how they're anthropology majors. Shout mm-hmm. out to other anthropology majors. <laughs> um, and essentially, one of them is from Sweden. He's like, oh, I'll take you back to where I live. We're going to have this huge midsummer, mm-hmm. um, midsummer like ceremony. And all the guys were going to go. Mm-hmm. And Christian is like, oh, I'm going to invite Danny because I don't want her to be alone. And, but she's not going to come. She's not going to come. And he keeps mm-hmm. saying that. And I'm like, of course she's going to come. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point of this movie. Mm-hmm. And he does a great transition to them on the plane, by the way. I mm-hmm. love that. And, yeah, I don't know what to go when they're, when they're in Sweden. Oh, yeah. So they're in Sweden. And they uh, they go to this, like, kind of hidden community on the void. It's like a commune. Yeah. And it's all, like, they're all wearing white. And it's all very natural. Um, they, they're on shrooms for part of it. So, like, yeah. what Ari Aster does, which is really cool, is, like, it's all psychedelic. It's very So, psychedelic. like, everything is moving in the background sometimes. When they're on shrooms, the, yeah. the, the plants are moving. The plants are moving. And you, if you pay attention, there's, the nature forms faces, too. So, there's one scene where it's the sister with the tube coming out of her mouth that's, like, hidden in the woods. Oh, like, with leaves. Yeah, it's really interesting. But anyway, they're at this... Um, they're at the community. And they move to, I guess they hike to where the actual Midsummer, which is like the true community. So they yeah. they kind of like have a pit stop outside the community mm-hmm. where they meet up with um, Pele, who's the Swedish guy, his brother, and he mm-hmm. introduces them. And then they take shrooms. They go to the actual community, which is, I, I would have to say is very like, I don't know how to describe it. It's like in this open field and mm-hmm. the houses are kind of, half buried in they're not like normal houses i feel like they kind of feel like tim burton-y to yeah, me yeah uh-huh and the whole community they all take care of one another so yes. they all share food uh you see later that they all share emotions at the same time yeah. um and all the kids are raised as if they're everyone's kids yes mm-hmm. so when he says oh this is my sister it's not necessarily like his sister mm-hmm. it's someone he grew up with or yeah. he considers a mm-hmm. sister yeah they're not like blood related yeah so i guess the moment where everything really like turns crazy is during 
every 90 years they have a sacrifice. Well, they say... They, they, have, call no. it a, they call it a great feast. So yeah. Pele says, oh, it's... Or so the, one of the other guys says, oh, it's, it's been 90 years since mm-hmm. we've had this great feast. Yeah. And you, no one really knows what that means, and no one is trying to explain it. Mm-hmm. And eventually they do, they have this feast, and then they have these two old, a woman and an old guy, and you see them go to this cliff. Mm-hmm. And I knew what was going to happen, even though I didn't watch the movie before. I just saw it, and I was like, oh... Like, they're probably going to jump off the cliff. Yeah. And they did. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty graphic. And, like, the one guy, uh, the the woman hits her head on a rock and instantly dies. And the man falls and misses the rock. And so, he's booed. Yeah. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. He's booed because he didn't miss the rock. And someone Wait, was like... I don't remember that. He, they're, like, yelling at him. Oh, Not, I like, think the, boo, I think they, but... I thought... I interpreted that as, like, he's in agony and they scream with him. Oh, I thought yeah. I thought of it as like, yo, you missed your mark. Now <laughs> no. we have to go get a hammer no, no. and kill you. Yeah, and then, oh, I I tell it as a different one. Yeah, so, I can see that. Yeah. So then they all um they've gotta like manually kill him with this huge wooden hammer. hammer. Uh, so then after that, everyone, all the other people are really freaked out who aren't part of the community because it's like Danny, Christian, Josh, um, the uh oh shoot, I forget his name. The guy from um the good place is in it. Yeah, he's so good. Um, and then Simon and Simon's boyfriend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's two British people who come with Pele's brother, who I guess was in London, mm-hmm. and then Pele, who brings Danny, Christian, um, the guy from Bandersnatch. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know what his name is. He he vapes the whole time. If you've seen the movie, that's and then him. defecates on like the tree, the tree. A very important tree. He's, so he's a screw up. He's a screw up. He's then, a fuckboy. That's who he is. He is. Yeah. And then there's the guy from The Good Place who plays... I forgot if he plays in The Good Place. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there... I think that's it. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. four of them. Oh, wait. Josh is the guy from The Good Place. And oh, then Josh Will Poulter plays Mark. Oh, Mark, who yeah. is the um, vaping dude from yeah. Bandersnatch. Mm-hmm. And they're all brought there, and everyone basically starts to freak out. Yeah. But they're anthropology students, at least um, Will uh, and... Yeah, Christian and Josh. And, yeah. Christian and Josh. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I want to study these people. They they want to stay. Yeah. And from that point, I knew that there was no way they were surviving. Because, mm-hmm. a, a, you know, a clan doesn't survive this long mm-hmm. because they trust people yeah. into their community yeah. to write about it. Mm-hmm. Like, that. that's when I was like, please, this isn't happening. But what's really interesting is, you know going into this what kind of movie it's going to be, where it's like the whole genre of... Each person, like, we're going to just keep on killing people off. Which, one by in, one. Which, in a horror movie, like, you you expect it. And sometimes if there's only that element, it's boring. But here you're just so focused on, like, the character dynamics and the relationship between Christian and Danny. Where it's like, you know that people are going to continue to be killed off. But you're not really interested in that as much. You're more interested But also, on, you don't see them get killed off. Yeah, which I kind of think is... They disappear, but you don't, yeah. you don't see their deaths. Yeah. You see them maybe get hit over the head or... You'll, you, but you won't see them die. Yeah. You won't see them get taken either. Yeah, no, there was a really, you sort of see, uh, you see fragments of that at the very end. Um, because Christian, after, we'll go over this later, but he's involved in, um, mating ceremony. In a mating ceremony. And while he's running around naked, he sees all the people who had been killed off. And I saw this online that was very interesting that each death represents an element. So there's Josh, who's buried under the earth, and you see his foot sticking up. Yeah. Um, Simon is hanging in the air. Um, Connie, they is, um, uh, was used in a water, um, ritual. 
And they show that in the exp- like extended version where they drown someone, but it's not uh, in the actual movie. Okay, I didn't see any. Uh, and then Christians burn alive with the fire element. Um, yeah, so... Well, Mark was skinned alive. Oh. Which, if you watch yeah. the film, the one thing I love about the film is that he, he hints to everything. Mm-hmm. It must have taken a ton of planning. So, besides, like, obviously the tapestry in the beginning, there's a tapestry in the film that talks about a woman trying to get a man mm-hmm. to, to love her, which is played out in the film. They, they stay in this place, I guess it's like, what, the 26-year-olds to whatever-year-olds. Mm-hmm. They stay in this huge wooden kind of, like, barn building, but on the inside it's painted white and it has a bunch of, like, drawings or mm-hmm. paintings about what's going to happen. And when you're watching it, you don't think about that. You think, oh, like, they're just focusing on this. But when you re-watch it, you realize this is what's happening to every character. Yeah. Like, whether it's the bear being burnt <laughs> alive when Christian's having that meeting, oh, yeah. or whether it's Danny kind of watching... Um, you know, the Mayflower, those mm-hmm. paintings of the Mayflower Queen, and you're like, yeah. oh, like, you don't you don't think that has importance, mm-hmm. but it does. So in the beginning of the film, there's a bunch of these kids playing, and they're mm-hmm. like, what are they playing? And they're like, oh, skin the fool. <laughs> and Mark, who in is kind of basically the fool in the film, he mm-hmm. pees on this, like, ancient tree that has their, like, relatives uh, buried with it, Something along that lines, and he's skinned. He's skinned alive, yeah. and someone wears his face. Oh yeah, which that was creepy. Was, oh, yeah. So there are things like that that made it really interesting, and it's really fun to <laughs> go back. Yeah. And look into it. Yeah. Um. So once I guess if you go back to plot wise, once the two people, two older people, they jump off the cliff. There's another ceremony basically where they have to, you know, announce the Mayflower mm-hmm. Queen. And I love I love that scene. Mm-hmm. It's where basically they dance around the pole, and whoever you know stays, who doesn't fall, is cl- crowned the queen. Yeah. And Danny ends up being crowned, mm-hmm. and it was so nice because she all of a sudden has this whole community who's oh, so happy I'm and so happy. Kelly, the for Swedish her. guy, kisses her. Yeah. And he like clearly likes her a lot. He kisses yeah. her in this film. He has a great line where he he remembered her birthday and mm-hmm. gave. Her, you know, a, a drawing of her for her birthday present, yeah. even though her own boyfriend, who she's been dating for four years, didn't remember. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, I would burn, I would burn him alive too if that were me. And then, maybe. And then, at towards when she wants to leave, mm-hmm. he he asks, "Oh, like, why are you still with Christian?" Mm-hmm. And she's like, "What do you mean?" He's she's he's like, "Do you feel held oh, by him? Like, I is he is one. he your home? Does he feel like home, home to you? you?" And you're just like. And she, you see this realization on her face that, no, he, he's yeah. nothing like that mm-hmm. to me. And, yeah, so she she becomes part of this community. Mm-hmm. And then um, the 90-year feast basically, come, like, ends up with... They, the, like, a burning of the one house where they sacrifice um, yeah. a lot of different people. So they have all their sacrifices done already. And then the main queen, I guess, gets to decide the last sacrifice. So... Everyone's like, oh, Danny, like, should we sacrifice this guy from the community? Or should we? Or should we sacrifice Christian? And for, like, a minute, you're like, maybe she won't pick Christian. So the whole point is that they have four outsiders who Mm -hmm. are part of the ceremony, and then they Mm -hmm. have, like, what is it, four... for people from the community. So it was yeah. two, the, obviously the two people who had died in the beginning of the mm-hmm. movie, they were part of the sacrifice. And then they had picked two other people from the community. And yeah. then the like 11th, no, the ninth person to, was um, up to the choice of the maid queen, which is Danny. <laughs> and at this point, Christian is like completely paralyzed and he's, you kind of see her stare at him. Yeah. And you know. 
Yeah. You know he's about to. I know. I, know. I almost... See, the thing that Ari Aster does so well is, like, even though I'm definitely on Danny's side, he they do, throughout the movie, um, they kind of make Christian sympathetic a little bit. Well, I, like, I think they I try to. I think Christian was, like, a terrible human. Yeah, no, I that's... think he just, he was a selfish guy, and he... Yeah. Like, he never wanted to... I think, obviously, he liked her at some point, mm-hmm. but he didn't like her the way she needed yeah. him to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he didn't know how to break up with her, which is, mm-hmm. like, a hard thing. Like, her entire family dies. She literally has no one. Like, mm-hmm. he wasn't going to break up with her then. Yeah. But, obviously, like, he doesn't... He doesn't try yeah. to be there for her. Mm-hmm. He has this, like, fakeness to him yeah. about being there for her. Yeah. I just think the scene at the end where he's in the bear suit, like, that, it freaked me out, at least, because I was just thinking, gosh, what if he's, like... Even though he can't move, but what if he can see and understand everything that's going on and how scary that must have been? I think he does see. And yeah, hear, but that just on. like freaked me out. But anyway, I'm still I'm so happy for Danny. I just really want to put that out there. Uh, she's my May Queen. Uh, yeah, I I'm love glad she found. She was great she, um, in this. Film. Yeah, she found her community at the end. Um, I just love that. Oh, the other thing uh, I want to talk. Well, the reason that. Danny chose Christian to be the last sacrifice is because um, Christian was drugged, but she didn't know this. Or he, yeah, she didn't know this. Um, and he was having sex with Wait. someone else from the community who had chosen him. Um, because uh, this, ha- it seems like this happens in the community a lot just because there's a lot of interbreeding. Or well, some they, interbreeding. No, they talk about how they don't have, they don't have incest unless mm-hmm. it's so, they have this special, like, um, I guess it's sort of like a Bible, but like a telling mm-hmm. of the community. And yeah. the only person who's allowed to draw them is this special person, but they're only bred out of incest. Yeah. And that's the only time they can be born. Because they're so it's marginalized just, from the community that they don't have a biased standpoint. Yeah, they don't. Mm-hmm. Which is like as an audience member, itself. it's like yeah. no, that was that's a bad mm-hmm. thing. That they purposely do incest to create these, yeah. you know, handicapped and physically deformed people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the one, um, the the one lady from the community who's trying to hit on Christian feeds him like pubic hair and like puts uh, her period her period blood. blood. But I just want to drink. Yeah, I just want to say uh, sex is important because if you're on your period and you have sex, you're less likely to be pregnant since your egg's not there. So she she's didn't know not that. <laughs> she's not getting pregnant probably. So um, it's yeah. important if you live important things to know folks i'm just saying another thing i really liked about this film was kind of like at least for me it felt very like wes anderson homemade aspect oh yeah so yeah. there's this point where they have this like temple which is in the end of the moon film where they end up burning everyone mm-hmm. but it's this perfectly triangular like bright yellow mm-hmm. and it's it's against this plain field there's nothing else around it and the, the way they show it at first is this wide shot and it seems very much like you know, very symmetrical and very, like, West... As soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, this seems like something Wes Anderson would (laughs) do. And also, like, the painting seemed this very, like, Mm -hmm. homemade aspect to me where it's, like, oh, like, obviously it was a community because they Mm -hmm. took care of everything. It just all seemed handcrafted. Yes, I guess not handmade, handcrafted is the better Mm -hmm. word. Mm -hmm. Oh, the other thing I want to mention is in the director's cut, there's this really funny scene, and I think, we'll probably think it's funny because we're college students, but... It's an extended version of when uh, Christian and Josh were talking to each other after Christian's like, oh, I think I'm going to do my paper on this community as well. And Josh is like, what do you mean? I literally talked about doing this. Yeah. Yeah. They're talking about their thesis. That's intense stuff. So Josh gets like really angry about it. And there's this one line he has where it's like, 
Christian, I always have to walk you through everything. Before you met me, like, you couldn't even use JSTOR the right way. You didn't know how to use it. And it, JSTOR is just, it's basically scholarly Google where you just yeah. type in an article. And I just thought that was so funny uh, because I don't know how many people would pick up on how funny that is. But, like, it's literally so easy to use. Yeah. Um, I would recommend watching the extended cut, though, because there are some really good scenes that I think add to the movie. Yeah. Um, like, there's one scene in the car ride over where uh, uh, Danny has another friend who's like, oh, I know I'm early, but happy birthday. And then they also flesh out the relationship between uh, Christian and Danny a little bit more. I mean, I love both versions. Um, and they also have another ritual where there's a child who's going to be drowned. Um, a lot of death. I know, a lot, a lot of death, a lot of death. Um, I wasn't nominated for anything at the Oscars, and that makes me sad. And visual effects, too. There's a point when Danny has her flower crown on, and there's mm-hmm. this one flower that's, like, kind of breathing a little bit. And when, yeah. that, when she's sitting at the table, the food is kind of moving a little yeah. bit. There's, mm-hmm. like, you know, you can tell that there's something being altered mm-hmm. where they are. Yeah. Oh, did you hear the theory about Pele? That yeah. he was the one who killed the sister and the parents in order to get Danny on the trip. No, what? Yeah, that's... So, when I was watching that a second time, I'm not sure I believe it because in my in my perfect world, I want... I really like Pele. Yeah, even though, even though Even though there's a lot of people who don't, who, like, totally believe this theory of, like, oh, no, like, he's the one who did it, and he... Well, he I, didn't invite all of his friends to be slaughtered, but his friends didn't have... I mean... They didn't know. They didn't have good morals, but I still... They didn't deserve to die. Um, how, wait, what's, how, where's just the proof? I think because the way the it was taped on her on uh, her face, it looks like it's just like a very weird suicide way. I was gonna say I saw that too, and I'm yeah. like, oh, she vomited on herself. Like that's, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm like that's a weird way to specifically yeah. do it on herself. Yeah. So I don't really believe that, and I always think about this movie. What happens to to Danny after this? I think I'm she's like, just with the community. That's what I think. Like, what if she wanted to leave the community? I don't think this. I think she's finally yeah. fell at home. She yeah. No, that's... Leave. See, that's what I think. I think she feels at home, and I think her and Pele will get married. And I think that will make me very happy. So... Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for listening. This is going to be a little long one. Mm-hmm. But thanks for joining us. Mm-hmm. And let us know what you think about these movies. Yeah, and if also, you... Also, wait. Okay, also just mentioning, we actually have a Twitter and an Instagram... Um, it's making sense of movies mm-hmm. on Instagram. It's an underscore between each word. And what's our Twitter? Oh, uh, sense movies, I think. And we also have a letterbox account. We'll link all of these in our description mm-hmm. for this episode. But please follow us. Yeah, if you and want to know if you, any more information and comment about movies that you think uh, fucked you up for life. Yeah, um, we'd love to watch them. All right, we'll be back again soon. Bye. Bye.